You are listening to Godly MBA Marketing Beyond Ambition Podcast, Episode 005. Welcome to the Godly MBA Marketing Beyond Ambition. This is the only podcast that will share and teach actionable and biblical marketing strategies to empower you, the value-based business owners and Christian entrepreneurs. Learn to communicate your message effectively in this noisy world so you can finally earn more serve more and give more now here is your host kelly botter hello kelly botter here welcome to god the mba podcast today you're in for a treat our guest is the successful serial entrepreneur amazon best-selling author influential podcaster and mentor to personal brand entrepreneurs chris docker We just heard those glorious achievements of Chris. On top of, he also owns a brick-and-mortar business with over 400 employees. Today, when you meet Chris, you probably thought he's just born as a successful entrepreneur. He has that kind of charm. However, his journey of building business hit a horrific incident in 2009 when he was seriously burned out. It changed everything for him. In the conversation, you will hear the behind the scenes stories, where and how his youpreneur was born, and why it's his 10-year plan to build up this community. Also, the specific key elements to create a vibrant community. Of course, I grill him about the top tips in personal branding for entrepreneurs. And guess what? You really don't want to miss Chris's most embarrassed moment in his journey. Seriously, that alone will make your day. Now, let's check with Chris. Chris, it's such an honor to have you in the show. It's an honor to be here. It's all my honor, all my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, I mean, many of my friends know and probably my list, my I know, audience know that I am part of your community, your personal community. But and I love that you're flying the flag with a t-shirt today. See? I think that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Those shirts, the, the shirt doesn't look better on anyone but you. It, 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 you're the best. You're the best flag, the human flag for it. Okay. How many members do we have now? You just make enemies of those. How yeah, many right. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't know. You see, I say the same thing to all of them whenever I see them. So it'll it'll ever allow. Yeah, it'll yeah level I, out. I figured it. I figured it. <laughs> so, but Chris, actually, uh, I have watched and observed you uh, quite many years. And uh, um, before I joined the Upreneur community, um, but today we're going to kind of uh, dig into like how hero become hero thing, you know, because today in the marketplace, when everybody talk about you, we'll say, well, he, he's a serial entrepreneur, he's a best-selling author. And, and, but wondering that we know you are from UK. Well, look at those, those de- de- decorations in the back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm how did you... How did you end up in Philippines? Well, except the beautiful Earths, but how yes. did you end well, up actually, there? Actually, I met Earths um, several years after I, 
arrived in the country. So um, it would be very romantic to say that I came here because of her, but unfortunately, it's not that romantic, the story. No, I came over for work. You know, I was working for one of the big international banks over here. I was managing all of their telemarketing operations for their local kind of uh, consumer products like personal loans and and credit cards and things like that. And uh, I did that for a couple of years. And then I got poached by one of their competitors. And then I um, ended up setting up my own company. And here we are, you know, we're, we're coming up now on 12 years. We are, we're 12 years old now as a group of companies. And uh, it's been a great journey. Never look back. Wow. Well, I did not know actually you're from the banking industry, actually. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very much, I mean, my past world in the UK was in the publishing business, but focusing on advertising, marketing, event sales, and things like that. And so that was the reason why I was brought over here to help with the telemarketing side of things. A lot of what I did was on the telephone. I started in the telemarketing and the telesales business when I was 17. And so... Uh, you know, kind of that was where my kind of humble roots as a sales professional were in. And uh, it kind of just the, the career just unraveled and, and kind of grew from there sort of thing. And that was the reason why I was in the position when I first got here. Mm, okay. So how many staff you have now? I know you always compete with Gary V. you know, how many staff <laughs> <laughs> you guys have? Yeah. It's an ongoing battle between uh, myself and Gary. I mean, that started actually the first time I met Gary in person was about, I'm going to say it was three or maybe four years ago. And uh, we'd never met before. And we got to talking over lunch and we were just chatting along. And the subject of how many people do you have working for you came up. And at the time, I was actually beating him. I had about 60 or 70 more people than him at the time. And then we grew a little bit and then VaynerMedia grew a little bit. And then, you know, we'd meet up again or we'd get on a podcast and we're like, you know, how many do you have now? How many staff do you have? <laughs> and he's he's got me beat right now. He, he really does. He has me beat by about, I think he's up by about 100, maybe 150 people now. So his growth has been pretty crazy over the last couple of years with the agency. So uh, I think I'm going to have to wave the white flag and give in to Gary. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we, we have at any one time at, at our company, we have at any one time for around 450 employees. So it goes up a little bit in certain seasonal times of the year based on our clients' requirements. But ultimately, yeah, it's around 450, 460 on average, something like that. Wow. Do you feel the heavy responsibility on that? I do. I do. Um, I mean, even though I'm still not, you know, I'm, I'm not involved day to day with that larger business anymore. Uh, you know, I've, I've delegated it all. I have great management team in place. So even though I'm not day to day involved with the business, I still do feel that responsibility. Absolutely. And I was reminded of it in a very stark way in 2012 when I was, uh, I was in the hospital getting ready to have a uh, L5-S1 spinal fusion surgery done. And I remember one day, a couple days before the surgery, I had a whole bunch of people from the office turn up, 10, 12 people kind of all clambered into my private room. And they were saying uh, to the doctor who just happened to be on his rounds at the time, the guy that was actually going to be doing the procedure on me, they turned up and they said, you know, doc, you, you've got to do a good job here. You know, he feeds 400 odds you know, families, like, don't mess this up sort of type thing. And the doctor was like, wow, now I got press, now I got real pressure, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's the responsibilities there. I mean, I, I think 
as we've continued to you know grow and do well as a company i don't feel the pressure so much because you know we know we have the right clients in place we know we have the right management in place uh, the right culture in place but you take away all of that and the responsibility is still there absolutely but I wouldn't have it any other way. I love it. So now at least we know that you did work for somebody else before. You are not yes. just born right away as an entrepreneur. You openly share uh, quite a bit about your burnout years mm-hmm. back. Uh, you know, but you know, many, many people in my audience, they are not familiar with that. So would you mind share that journey? Yeah. I mean, the burnout came to me just like it comes to any other entrepreneur that ignores the warning signs, just like I ignored them. Uh, you know, when you're working 15, 16 hours a day, six days a week, and you're living on coffee, and you're not sleeping properly, and you're not working out, and you're not eating well, you're going to burn out. Like, it's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's inevitable. It will happen. And, you know, I was your typical micromanaging type A entrepreneur boss who wanted to do everything himself, who didn't believe, even with, at that point, 130-odd people around me, you know, I didn't believe anybody could do what needed to be done, and I carried on doing everything, and it hit me, you know, it hit me hard, and uh, it, it got me to take a very stern look at how we were building the business and how I was not running the business. The business was running me. That was the problem. And so that was at the end of 2009. Going into 2010, we put a one-year goal in place to ultimately have me removed from the business day to day. And we achieved that goal. But it took eight people. I had to hire eight people uh, to replace myself. That's how thinly spread I was. And it really, I mean, you know, some people have to go through that burnout in order to be able to correct the issues that caused it and move on from it. Other people see the warning signs and they say, whoa, hold on. This ain't going to happen to me, Buster. Like, I'm going to make the changes right now before it happens. And that's why I'm so openly happy to talk about my own burnout. And and I think a lot of, particularly, you know, in America where they have the whole kind of, you know, you've got to hustle, you've got to grind and all that kind of stuff. And me and Gary, you mentioned Gary V, we've gone back and forth a few times on that. Um, I respect anybody that works hard, but you know, the word grind and hustle is just another way of saying I'm going to work hard. I just decided that I wanted to work smarter rather than harder. Mm-hmm. And so I had to make those changes in the way that I was building the business and running the business day to day. And it just so happened that I was too thinly spread. I had to bring other people on to help me. Yeah, actually, and it it really depends on everybody's different situation too. My husband, yeah, Yeah. he said my husband was burned out in 2008 when he was working for Ritz-Carlton. And then they were, they were kind of in the transition of they're going to close the whole hotel and you're dealing with three, 400 people and day in, day out, that kind of things. A um, lot of stress as well. A lot of stress. Yeah. In, in the hospitality sector, particularly, a lot of stress day to day, day to day. Yeah. And so, well, people may be now listening and say, well, that because Chris, you have a big company, right? So how does that apply to solo entrepreneurs or small business owner? Yeah, because that's what I was. You know, that's well, what I was. Well, plus people. Yeah, I was, you know, I was a solopreneur to begin with. Ultimately, I was a small business owner 
then I would class myself as a media. I, now I class myself as a medium sized business owner, you know, four or 500 people, it's medium size. It's, it sounds very grand and big to a lot of people, but when you start thinking about, you know, some of the larger brands and companies out there, it's minuscule compared to some of those. Mm. But, um, I mean, in our industry, you know, in the outsourcing industry and the service related industry, it's, it's a medium sized business, but it wasn't always like that. And so, you know, the reason why I can align myself so well with the solopreneurs, with the youpreneurs that I now work with yep. is because I have been there and I have built my brand based around my businesses over a period of the last six, seven, eight years. And because of that, I've been in the trenches. I know what works. I know what doesn't work. I know when to call BS. I know when to be very honest with myself. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people struggle. People struggle because they feel like they need to do everything themselves. They, they might actually, when they begin, they might be in a position where they don't have any option. They've got to do it all themselves. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but you have to understand that there comes, a, you know, there's certain incremental growth points in any entrepreneur's journey where they've got to change. They've got to flip it up a little bit and change. So this is where I've got to build my team. This is where I've got to automate. This is where I've got to branch out. This is where I've got to have redundancy and so on and so on and so on and so on. And there's no real, you know, there are gazillion business books out there that will teach you how to build a successful business. But unless you're actually doing it yourself, you'll never really truly learn how to do it properly. It just, you know, it's nice to be in a position now where I can give back a little bit and try and right a few wrongs for people before they turn up. Uh, and that's really where I'm focused now is trying try and help people as much as I can to avoid the mistakes, to save money, to save time and to, uh, you know, build successful businesses based around what they're all about, what they do. Uh, but, it, you know, just because you're a solopreneur today, it doesn't mean that you, you, you know, you can't grow and that you can't become more financially successful or more mindset or emotionally or spiritually successful. It's all part of the learning curve. That's that's the exciting part of it for me as well. You know, that's the reason why I continue to want to focus on my own business growth as well. Otherwise, you know, you just get bored and, and then you start to become kind of almost stuck in the mud in mm -hmm. terms of what you're doing and how you're doing it. And I'm not that kind of entrepreneur. I need to always be you know, changing and, and, and trying new things and discovering new ways to do things. Yeah, I remember when we, uh, the youpreneur, first time we met up in uh, Manchester, we only 12 people there. And then we yes. were teasing, say, as entrepreneur, we have so many ideas and people can literally can register their domain name when they are in the restroom. <laughs> so. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> And I think, you know, we've and we've had, you know, we've had people at other Youpreneur events. We've had people, you know, register domain names in the middle of coffee breaks. We've had people to sign up for, you know, pieces of software that will help them grow their business in the middle of talks. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a very action orientated entrepreneur, as you know, Kelly, like I will respect anyone that takes action consistently. Um, sometimes what they do might be wrong 
But the deal is that unless you take the action in the first place, you can't figure out whether you're going to be right or wrong. Um, you can try and be as, as, as smart as possible uh, in the way that you do things. But for me, just take the darn action. Nothing kills me more than a lazy entrepreneur because a lazy entrepreneur equals an unsuccessful entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And that's why when I run those events and I do those meetups, when I see people can, you know, conversing with each other and registering domain names, and it's always, that's the, the, the long running joke of running a domain name or leaving the shower mid rinse to register <laughs> a domain name and all those kind of things. You know, I've joked about that stuff for years, but the, the reason why it's so funny is because people, do it. They do it all the time. And so, you know, that's the kind of action taking person that I am. And I want people around me to take that kind of action as well. Yeah, we always say actually, uh, as long you fail forward, actually, uh, John C. Maxwell say that as long, as long you fail forward, that's okay. And, yes. and the, the quicker you fail, actually, the better you will be. Yeah. And, and the more often you fail, the more successful you're going to become over a period of time. And that's why you know, procrastination is, you know, it's, it's like the kryptonite for entrepreneurs because it stops us from, you know, when we procrastinate, it stops us not only from getting our projects and our ideas and our focuses out there into the world and helping the people that we're creating all those things for, but it also stops us from making mistakes and it stops us from learning from those mistakes. It's fine to make mistakes. Don't make the same one twice. But it's fine to make mistakes as long as you learn by them. And so, you know, that's why I'm all about, you know, clicking that button and taking that action. I'd be more than happy to make mistakes if I'm learning by them. So, Chris, since we are on that subject, procrastination is big for entrepreneurs, especially, you know, solo entrepreneurs. So any tips, specific tips to help us that you feel sometimes you know exactly what you need to be doing? But somehow it seems there's a mental block, just a kind of, ah, oh, no, I got to do something else. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, you know, and for me, procrastination is also another form of laziness. Um, I think we, a lot of the time, will pick the easy route. And that easy route or route, if you've got a lot of Americans listening to your show, yeah, or niche are. or niche, you know, um, <laughs> I mean, we could go all day long. We could go all day long on that. Um, that's like a separate show on its yeah, own. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think that, you know, procrastination is, it's another form of laziness. I think a lot of people will go for the easy route because they, they know that they can complete that task faster or that task will, or that project will be easier to um, execute and focus and finish on. But it might not always be the best focus for us to, to take that low hanging fruit all the time. Um, and that's why, you know, it's important. And as, an, as a Upreneur member, you know what I'm talking about when I, I always talk about our, my, our small win goals mm -hmm. all the time. I talk about it every month on our mastermind calls. I talk about it all the time in the forums uh, because those small win goals are the low-hanging fruit. They are the easy routes for us to move the needle forward bit by bit by bit every month. And that's why you make five, six, seven, eight of those small win goals every month. And there's not always money attached to them. They're just about getting to the next level. But then 
you have the year-long goal or the quarterly goal or maybe the five-year goal or whatever it is. And that's the stuff that you can't procrastinate on. So for me, the biggest tip I give people when it comes to avoiding procrastination and to getting stuff done on a regular basis is to put it on your darn calendar, put it on your schedule. You've heard me say this a hundred times. If it's not scheduled, it won't get done. You know, if it doesn't get scheduled, it doesn't get done. And so for me, everything that I work on day to day, whether it's checking my email, creating content, this interview, uh, recording a video, recording a podcast, writing a piece of blog content, uh, spending two days solid rebuilding an email funnel, which I've just done, all those things that I do go on the schedule and I work just on those things at that time on the schedule. And nine times out of 10, I'm not perfect, but nine times out of 10, I will not drag and drop those things on my calendar. <laughs> I will work on them when I'm supposed to work on them and I will complete that task and I will move on to the next one. And that's why the output is there all the time. So many people say to me, how, how, in, how in the hell do you get so much done? You know, like how do you physically get so much done week to week you know, month to month, year to year. I don't, I don't get it. The output's incredible. How do you do it? And I said, because I schedule it and I keep on task. It's, it's, there's no magic pill, you know, that we can pop. We just got to put it on the schedule and work towards it. And that's exactly what happens. And I also like to say, not only those business items put on a calendar, you know, for mm -hmm. me, uh, workout, uh, yes, you know, movie time with families and yep. all those things. Because it seems that on a calendar that I will pay attention to, I will stop. I kind of tell myself, okay, if today, let's say if Saturday, we don't work on Saturday much, we say, okay, that's the movie day for, for, for family. Then I know that actually I need to finish as much as I can before that time. Right. As yes, well. I agree. Yeah. And, and that for me, you know, was it 2000 and just going into 2014, end of 2013, I turned around and said, you know what? I'm not going to work Fridays anymore. That's it. I'm not working on a Friday. I'm going to have a three-day weekend. You want to know why? Because I can. That's it. And that's how we made the decision. And I haven't worked a Friday bar maybe a handful of Fridays over the last couple of years where I've had a launch or I've had to, you know, give a speech or something along those lines, right? Generally, I don't work on a Friday anymore. And that means that my Monday to through to Thursday has to be jammed and mm -hmm. it has to be, it has to be productive. Otherwise, I feel like I'm robbing myself of my own productivity if I don't work on the Friday, if I've had a poor productive week, Monday to Thursday. Uh, and I only actually, this will be the last thing that I do today. Uh, I work about six to seven hours during the day, Monday to Thursday. So I don't do extra hours on the Thursdays to be able to have the Friday off. I generally work six to seven hours during the day and then I have a three-day weekend. And what's the beautiful thing about that is that on the Friday, the little one is at school, right? So it's extra time for just me and my wife. So sometimes we might do an extra yoga class together, or sometimes we might go and see a double bill at the cinema, or just, um, you know, sit in a cafe all afternoon and just talk, you know, whatever it is, it's just about us. And I like that extra time. I like that extra time. 
Yeah, that's kind of come to a priority, right? And yeah, and I love the fact that you prioritize your health and your family just as much as I do. Um, I think you've got to have the balance there. I think it's important. Uh, you know, burnout doesn't necessarily mean that it's a, a physical burnout. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that the burnout is necessarily even caused by work. You know, a, a burnout can be a number of different things. And uh, I think that a lot of people struggle with, with that lifestyle balance uh, that, or the work-life balance, right? But uh, I think if you can get a handle on it, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So, well, people think, how can you have this kind of lifestyle that we cannot just don't talk about outsourcing, right? Uh, so Chris, would you mind to share with us what some specific key elements to avoid some, you know, costly mistakes when you come to build a virtual team? Yeah, sure. I mean, look, really there's two things that people do over and over and over and over again. And I mean, you know, I've been in the, the outsourcing business for 12 years and particularly with Virtual Starfinder, which is our VA recruitment company, six years now. And Virtual Freedom, you've, you're holding up the book there. Thank you very much. Bestseller, hashtag just saying. Um, and so, <laughs> and so um, you know, the two things I see people making mistakes over and over and over again is number one, they believe that they can hire one person to do three or four or five people's jobs. And that's just silly. That's just stupid. to find a There's superhero, no, other... no? Yeah. That's what I call it the, the super VA or the superhero uh, syndrome. You know, like you believe that one person can do everything. And so that's the biggest mistake that people make. And every single day at Virtual Staff Finder, we get job descriptions sent to us from our clients for when we're recruiting people for them. And they say, I need a virtual assistant to manage my email, do my SEO, edit all my videos, edit down all of my podcasts, do my transcription, do my graphic design, handle my social media. I'm like, whoa, 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 time out. You know what I mean? Like you're literally talking about an entire team of people here. (laughs) It doesn't happen that way. So that's the first mistake is hiring one person rather and expecting that person to do jobs of a number of different people. So that's the first mistake. The second mistake is assuming that once you hire somebody that you pop that magic pill and that you can just get them to work straight away and everything's going to be perfect from day one. That doesn't happen. Look, even if they've had the skill set, even if they've got the experience for the role for which they're being hired, even if they got the right mindset, even if they got the right personality to be part of your team, they've never worked for you. Mm-hmm. They don't know how you like things done. And so it's that assumption that even though they know how to handle all the software your company uses and what you need done and all the rest of it, that assumption that they don't need any kind of onboarding or any kind of real training is another big mistake I see people make. And it's actually that that in itself is the biggest instigator for people to stop outsourcing or to stop building their team. Oh, it's too much hassle. Oh, they don't understand me. Oh, they never delivered for me. Oh, it was a waste of my time. No, buddy, you you could have spent more time training them and it would have worked perfectly if you'd have hired the right person. So they're my two biggest, you know, tips right there is number one, don't expect one person to be doing several people's jobs. And number two, please spend some time onboarding your new staff because any time or effort that you invest into that, 
the ROI will come back to you for months, if not years and years and years to come. Yeah, I totally uh, agree with that. And recently, I just literally, I mean, I also saw for many years, kind of here and there. But this time, because I'm on this crazy ride, thanks to Chris, kick my butt. So I'm doing the podcast thing. <laughs> so yeah. it's I my have, fault. Yeah, yeah, it's his <laughs> fault. And uh, so I hire. A- listen, when you have one of, the, listen to me, when you have one of the top podcasts on iTunes, you're going to be eating those words. You're going to be like, oh my God, why didn't I do this before? You know? <laughs> so you, you wait and see, it's going to come your way. You wait and see. Okay. I received that. So that means that's a good news. There um, you go. I'm just saying that, um, when I, uh, I have to hire a VA for, yep. you know, show notes and, uh, yep. social media image and I hire, uh, you know, audio uh, editor. And then, because I at the same time I am uh, revamping my website, so I have a web developer and web designer, and I just figure out that when I write down the process for them and explain them what I want, kind of build a team culture thing. Sure. And the common feedback from different pe- four different people come back say, "Oh, I will wish that you know I work for somebody else that they would do the same," and that hit me really hard when I, you know, uh, refer back for your book about not just say outsourcing out, but you really need to build a team culture as well. Yep. And even if the team is just you and someone else currently, mm-hmm. if it's just you and one other person, right? that's a team. Yep. It's a small team. Yep. It's about as small as a team can get, but it's still a team. And it's your job as leader of that team, the owner of that business, the leader of that team to build that culture from day one with that first member of staff. And once you do that, it makes bringing on board that second, that third, the fourth, the fifth, the tenth, the hundredth, the five hundredth member of staff. It makes all of it so much easier because the culture is already there. It's ingrained from day one. It's part of the company's structure. It's part of how you all work with each other. And uh it helps everything become so much easier when you're continuing to build out the business and build out the team. Yeah. So we had to talk about youpreneur. I'm so proud of to be part of it, Chris. I'm proud to have you as part of it. <laughs> Why youpreneurs? So maybe you can share with you know the audience say what first of all what is youpreneur. And why youpreneur? Because we, we kind of know that that is not your bread and butter money, uh, mm-hmm. your income. And it is not an easy way to build a community, so to speak. So why youpreneur? So, uh, okay. So a youpreneur is someone like you. They're a business owner or they're an entrepreneur that are wanting to build their business based around their personal brand. So their personality, their expertise, the experience they've got, the stories they can tell, the way they can help people. So the perfect example of a personal brand entrepreneur are people like coaches, authors, speakers, experts, consultants, bloggers, podcasters, anybody that's building a business and a community and an audience around them and what they are all about and, just as importantly, the people that they serve, okay, Mm -hmm. the people they want to help solve problems for. So that's what a youpreneur is. Why the youpreneur community? Um, you're absolutely right. It's not my my biggest breadwinner in terms of income. Um, I hope one day that it will become 
So, uh, and when I launched Youpreneur September 1, 2015, so we're coming up on almost a year, which I'm kind of excited about. We've got, we got something special planned for that. But um, when that happened, I said, you know what? This is my next 10 years. This is not just a quick way to make money. I'm, I, I'm not that kind of egomaniac where I want a community, where I want to be the leader of a community or the guru. I'm not interested in that. This is my next 10 years. This is a mission. This is a purpose. And I'm going to work over the next decade to make it the best darn community of personal brand entrepreneurs on the planet. And I think we're off to a great start with people like you and the other, you know, the other power members, as we call them, uh, you know, people that are in the community every day, pretty much. They're conversing with each other. They're working with each other. They're helping each other. They're meeting up in person, all that stuff. That's exactly the reason why I set it up. Now, how did it come about? Great question. So I used to do these little one day mastermind events with six, seven people around a table. And I've been doing them for about five, six years. When I was traveling, around speaking at events, I would stay an extra day in LA or New York or Sydney or London or Melbourne or wherever it was. And I would hold these little events and I would just sell the tickets. I'd, I'd usually charge like three, $400 or whatever it was to my blog subscriber list, uh, which obviously has grown up more and more and more over time. And I was saying, you know what, let's get together. Let's talk about our businesses. Let's have some fun. Bup, 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 bup. And I noticed that two things was happening every time I did one of those events. Number one, I realized that when you've got people around a table like that, nobody had a monopoly on good ideas. I didn't care how experienced or successful you were. Somebody at that table was going to drop a major piece of knowledge on you that was going to help you move the needle in your own business and, and your own career. That was evident every single time I did one, every single time. The other thing was that although at the beginning of the day, if people didn't know each other very well, by the end of the day, they were instant lifelong best friends. Like, oh, let's go to the movies and get drunk together and all that kind of silly stuff, right? And it was what, what happened was, it was that entrepreneurial loneliness that I was curing for the people in that room, even if it was just for that day, even if it was just for that one day, it was that, that curing of that loneliness that we all feel as entrepreneurs quite regularly, particularly people that, you know, like you and I are running our businesses from our homes for all intents and purposes. You know, I could go 20 minutes in that direction and be at a three floor out of five-story building facility and have all the bells and whistles and the staff making me coffee and all that kind of stuff. But it's not what I want to do. I want to work from home. I want to be around my family as much as I can. And so those two things for me were the catalyst for the birth of youpreneur.com and the community as a whole. And I remember it like it was yesterday. It was July 4th, 2014. I was in the United States. I was hanging out at my good friend Pat Flynn's house. Our families had just completed a water balloon battle, um, which was, <laughs> which was, which did get very competitive at certain parts between myself and Pat. We, you know, we were drying off 
which isn't hard in San Diego. It's very, very hot there. Uh, the kids were playing. The wives were chatting. And me and Pat made ourselves a cup of coffee, and we went into his home office. And he posed a question, what do you want to do in the next three, four, five years? And I talked to him about what I was doing with the, you know, the events and how I really wanted to build this community. And that's when Youpreneur was born in that room on July 4, 2014. And actually, I tried to register the domain name right there and then. <laughs> I kid you not. I kid you not, <laughs> Kelly. I tried to register the domain name right there and then, but somebody had already got it. Oh. And I was, yeah, and I was like, no. So I had to barter a deal. Oh, my God. Gosh, this negotiation went on for about three months, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But eventually, obviously, I, I purchased it and I got it. And um, that was when it was born. That's when Youpreneur was born, literally, in that oh, office. Oh, yeah. so now Youpreneur is took- American baby. <laughs> it's a bit of an American baby. You're right. And, and, and it just goes to show you, though, how serious I was about it. You know, we got the domain, we got Facebook and Twitter and all the other social platforms and all the rest of it. But then I didn't launch until September 2015. So we're talking over a year of planning and thinking and validating uh, and all those things. And uh, eventually we launched. And like I said, for me, it's my one big focus day to day right now. And a lot of people might say, well, you know, that's just that's a slow way to make money. It's not the easiest way to make money. But for me, it's it's the way that I am going to make money over the next 10 years before I uh, decide to start taking things a little easier and retire. But I'll never fully retire, I don't think. Yeah, I'm just supposed uh, to say I cannot picture that. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, honestly, you know, when I say the next 10 years, I mean the next 10 years of growth. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the next 10 years of focus. And, you know, by then, my ultimate goal is for every personal brand entrepreneur, when they get to that point in their career, wherever that point is for them, I want it to I want to make it a no-brainer that A, that they find youpreneur.com and B, that they join us. Uh, I want them to feel like that's it. They've come home and that's the support that we make. And eventually, you know, there'll probably be, be different levels of membership and based on where people are in their journeys and all that sort of type of thing. And we're already planning a big live event to take place, hopefully, in the last quarter or two of twenty. 17 next year, uh, probably in London. So, you know, the whole deal, yeah, the whole deal is to really try and build it out slowly but surely, slowly but surely. And you were at the mastermind, you had 40 people there in London in May. And I said on the day, before I go full throttle on putting a big event on, I need to make sure that the market is ready for it. Um, And with zero emailing, zero paid advertising, I was able to get 40 people just from talking about it on my podcast or mentioning it every now and then on social media. I was able to get 40 people in that room that day. So I'm pretty confident that we can get a few hundred people together for next year sometime. Can I wait? Mm, Can I wait, really? So Chris, what are the tips that some specific ones that to help us to build a vibrant community? Because I know many of us in Youpreneurs and, you know, we have our own little membership site or Facebook group or things because mm-hmm. we know, I mean, it's, it's tough. That, that's not just 
let's just be honest with it. You know, it's mm. tough to build a, a good community, thriving community. So what are the tips? Yeah, it is tough. It's not the, it's not the easiest way to make money on the internet. You know, if I wanted to make a load of money real easily, I would blank out two months in my schedule. I would put together a 12 module video course and I would launch it and make a million dollars in a month. And I could do that, literally. Some people say, well, why don't you? Because it's not what I want to do. There is a difference. And so, yeah, building a community, a pay community online. I mean, it's tough to build a, a decent Facebook group. Right. It's even harder. Right. It's hard. It's even harder to build a paid community where people actually pay money every month. You know, really, you know, the biggest tips are number one, you've got to be present in the community. That's it. As the leader, you need to lead the way. And that for me is the biggest compliment that I get from Youpreneur members is that I am there. You know, I've been a member of a lot of different membership communities, Chris, and you are the only one that is consistently in there every single day. You know, like we can rely on you. And I think that's the big thing. I think a lot of people want the community. They want the fanfare and they want the fans and the followers and all the rest of it, but they don't want to do the work every day. And that's the difference between me and them. I have no problems doing it because I love it. It's the very oxygen that I need every day. This is what I want to do. And so that's the first thing is you've got to be present and you've got to be present consistently and be open with your members as well. If that means that you're only going to be in the forums or the community, whatever platform you're using to talk and discuss with your members. If that means you're going to be there answering questions between the hours of 4 and 7 p.m. on Monday and Thursday, and the rest of the time you're not going to be there, that's okay as long as your members know that, yeah. as long as they know that. So right now I'm in there every single day, even on a Friday when I shouldn't be working. I'm still in there for an hour in the morning, drinking a cup of coffee, hanging out, answering questions, giving feedback, posting silly, funny videos and all this fun stuff that I do, right? And that leads me on to the second tip is that, and, and we've noticed this actually with Youpreneur over the last six to eight months as we've kind of been looking into different vibes and see what people are, are interested in, things like that. It doesn't have to be about business all the time. It doesn't, or, or, or if it's a business community, if it doesn't matter what community is, you could build a community of dog trainers or dog owners. You could build a community of, you know, worshipers. You could build a community of people that are interested in fishing or, or RVs or it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You don't need to make it all about your niche all the time. So have a little bit of fun with it. Post some silly videos every now and then and all this sort of type of stuff. And we've noticed that people really actually come out of their shell. They like the idea of having that kind of fun. And it creates more community, quite mm -hmm. frankly, because the barriers go down a little bit and we get to know each other that much more to see what makes us laugh and giggle and to see what interests us. Uh, I had a conversation with somebody on private messages at the end of last week about films and he's excited about these films and I was excited about these ones and we went back and forth and I was like, you know, now I know him. Like, I really know that guy well now. You know what I mean? So it, it's interesting. I like that kind of stuff. The other thing I would say is that, you know, you've got to be very consistent with whatever it is you, you promise content-wise. Be very, very consistent. Don't let people down. You can't say one thing and then do something else. Or you can't say one thing and then not deliver on mm -hmm. that thing, whatever it is. So we know 
every single week something new is happening inside of Youpreneur. We know the first week is a chit chat video. The second week is a process blueprint. The third week of every month, we put one of our workshops live now. And then the last week, it's a live mastermind call with yours truly. So the members get to know that that's what's happening week to week to week. We know what we're doing in terms of delivering content. And uh, it just works beautifully. And people, we need that stability. You know, we're, we're a funny bunch of people, us humans. You know, we, we do. We need, we need the stability. And when you're paying for something, whether you're using it or not straight away, you still want to have it. You still want to have it delivered. And I think that's important. It's like, you know, I have a, a membership to Audible, for example, because mm-hmm. I like to listen to audiobooks. And I have, you know, I think they call it the pro membership level where I get one credit every month for $15 or whatever it is. And every month I order a book, obviously, because I've got my credit there. But I might not listen to that book for several months. Yeah. But because I'm paying for it, gosh darn it, I want my bloody book. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's the same thing. When we when we promise a workshop or we promise a chit-chat or a process blueprint or whatever it is, regardless of what it is that you're delivering, deliver it on time every time. And you'll, you'll, you'll build that loyalty with your members over a period of time. Can we flip a coin? Sure. Flip so as many as you want. You as a community leader... Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what are the lessons for for people are you know part of community, the members? What is your advice for the members they can get the most out of any community? Mm, I love that question. So you know, the first thing is is be present. You know, be present. You can flip that coin, but it's also the same for the leader as it is the members as well. You will get out of whatever community you're a part of, exactly what you put into it. And unfortunately, it is just the industry standard. It's the industry norm that, you know, 70% on average of all paying members, regardless of what the community is, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, 70% of those members will be what's formerly known as lurkers. They will lurk. They will read forum posts, they will learn from the videos that you post or the training that you give or whatever it is, but they'll never, they'll never engage ever. And the other 30% are the people that do all the talking, do all the high-fiving, do all the virtual yelling at each other and hold each other accountable and give each other the support. And that for me is the biggest turn on. You know, I could publish a hundred videos a week but nothing would make me more excited to get into the community and talking with people. So, you know, I think that's the, the, the one big thing that I see is like, you know what? It doesn't take that much time. Carve out one hour of your week, either in one chunk yeah. or maybe four 15-minute chunks or whatever it is. Just carve it out, put it on your schedule, sign in when you say you're going to sign in and get involved. Because the whole point of being a community in the first place is to is to make new friends, it's to find support, it's to get feedback and offer feedback, and just really truly be as present as you possibly can. And you know what I like? I like to promote above and beyond everything else is that if you come into the community and you ask a question of the community, find someone else's post mm. and give an answer in return. It's that one-on-one. Right. You know, you ask, you ask for something, you give something back. Every time. If you do that, 
the community will be a very vibrant, extremely exciting community to be involved in. Um, but unfortunately, sometimes it's very one-sided and it's frustrating, you know, from a commu community leader perspective, it's frustrating, but it is what it is. And no one's been able to change it before me and I doubt I'll be the guy to do it. I'd love to be, but I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's uh, even in my own little Facebook group, it's the same. It's always only like, I would say, yeah, top 20% of people that are there talking, mm -hmm. give feedback. And, yep. Yeah. Now I'll tell you, the other 80%, out of that other 80%, about half of them never visit the group, guarantee it. And the other half are there quite regularly, but all they're doing is consuming, 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 consuming. And here's the difference between consumers and people that are actually getting involved. The people that are getting involved will actually be the ones that take action. Mm -hmm. Okay. They'll be the ones that will, act, you know, when they say they're going to do something, they will actually do it. Right. Whereas the consumers, all they do, it's like they're professional consumers. All they do is they consume all the content. They consume all the ideas. They consume all the plans. They buy all the products. They click on all the affiliate links. They get all the courses. They consume, 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 but they never press the button and actually take any action. And it's a shame because they've invested a lot of time consuming, maybe a lot of money consuming. They should get that ROI on their time and their money. But unfortunately, a lot of them don't. But yeah, for me, you know, the community is, is about being part of the community. You'll get out of it exactly what you put into it. That's a good blog post title. Are you a professional consumer? Yes. <laughs> right there. I want to see, see you write it. Okay. Oh, <laughs> see? See what he just did for me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see what you guys, what you guys listening in or watching don't know is that it, it might be four weeks from now. It might be 12 weeks. It could be, it could be six months from now, but I will at some point say to Kelly, have you written that blog post yet? Cause oh. she knows I'm going to do it. <laughs> he doesn't wait that long. Okay. You know, one day I went to gym and I kind of just hop on a Snapchat say, okay, today I make a big decision. I hire an uh, audio <coughs> editor. And then you know, so I shut my phone, I went to work out. And when I came out of the workout and my phone was see a notification in the Snapchat from Chris. And you know, sometimes he just kind of snap back at some text, encourage you or something. But that day, wow, it's a video. And then it's a couple of video because you know, Snapchat is kind of cut you off like 10 sure. seconds. And so you and Charlie, we're like sitting there, you're drinking something and you say, hi, this right. is Charlie, by the way, Kelly. And then you say that, oh, you know, it's very good that you hire an editor and, and you went on blah, blah, blah. I was thinking, oh, he's on my toes. This is terrible. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but That's right. He's that you gotta be. You got to be careful what you put out there. You got to be careful what you wish for. <laughs> no, but you know, the reason why I did that is because... You know, I, I look at you like I do many of our Upana members and I, you know, for the right person, I, I'll spend that extra time with them because I can see the difference that they're making, not only in their own lives, but also the lives of the people that they are touching in the work that they're doing um, and, and the solutions to their, their audiences or their communities' problems, you know, that they're providing. And so uh, when I see someone 
you know, like you, Kelly, saying, oh, I'm going to do this. This is, you know, it's going to happen. It's going to make everything easier. Blah, blah. I'm going to get on your toes because I, I know that it will help you move your own business needle. And uh, look, what it, look what's happening. You know, you're doing great. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Well, but I just want to say, but that's what made him difference. You know, that's, that's what made him a different leader, really. So, Chris, you know, I'm, I'm conscious about your time. So far, we feel like you sound very perfect. I'm sure that you never made a mistake or you never have any embarrassing moment. Never. <laughs> too many. Okay. Way too many. Way too many. Tell us just one something that embarrassing moment. Or Okay. Well, this is a combination of the two, embarrassing and funny. So I was in Philadelphia. I was doing a keynote, closing keynote in front of about 700 people at an event over there. It was actually an event where the very large majority of the people in the audience were speakers. And so I'm instantly more nervous than I would usually be. And as I've, as I've grown as a speaker, I get less and less nervous now before I get on stage. Now it's actually more excitement. I want to get on there. I want to do my thing. But back in those days, it was probably about maybe four years or so ago, I used to still get a little bit nervous. Um, but now I'm really nervous because now I'm a speaker in front of six, 700 other speakers. So they're all going to be taking notes. Oh, he was terrible here. Oh, this one was good. You know, he was awful there. Ba, 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 ba. He didn't, he didn't, you know, all the things that speakers worry about connecting with your audience in the right way, not looking at the same part of the crowd all Does the time. Pay off Move, and yeah. All that kind of stuff, you know, moving from one side of the stage to another, all those things that we worry about from a speaker's perspective, I'm going through that in my head and I'm like, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Anyway, long story short, get up on stage. I do the 45 minute keynote. Everybody laughed at the right time. Everybody made notes at the right time. I crushed it. It was one of the, until that point in my career, it was probably the best keynote that I've ever done. And then, you know, it's ladies and gentlemen, Chris Doug, and everybody claps and, you know, I get a, a somewhat of a standing ovation. Maybe half the crowd stands up and, you know, and I'm thinking, this is great. I crushed it. This was fantastic. And then in the corridor outside, a lady comes up to me and she says, you were amazing. One of the best sessions of, of the conference. Can I get a quick selfie with you? And I say, sure you can. So we're posing for the selfie. She takes the photo and she turns around and she says to me, can I just give you one little bit of constructive criticism, though, from one speaker to another? And I said, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm all about constructive criticism. I mean, don't, don't tell me I was horrible, but anything other than that, you know. And she turns around and she goes, you know, us ladies generally don't have this problem, but I know you gents will always have this problem on stage. And I'm like, oh, okay, what, what's she talking about? And she says, you probably don't know this, Chris, but 45 minutes on stage, your trouser zipper wasn't up. Oh, it was no. down. And I was like, oh, my gosh. You've got to be kidding me. And fair enough, I looked down and there it was, and I zipped it up. And I said to her, I, I, I don't know what to say. And she goes, it doesn't even matter. I'm sure I was the only person that noticed. I'm said, there were 700 people in that audience. I'm pretty sure you were not the only person that noticed. <laughs> so I did probably one of the best speeches of my life up to that point. And then I realized that I had been flying low the whole time. It was very, very embarrassing, but kind of funny as well, I guess. Well... <laughs> We, we are human. Was, it, was that embarrassing enough for you? <laughs> I, I'm speechless, but yeah, it's, well, we are human, you know. Uh, now, I can tell you, 
I can tell you, it's never happened to me since. There's only that one time I made that mistake. I've never made the mistake again. <laughs> it's like, you know, you get on jacket, mic'd up, everything okay, good. Oh, flies. Yep, they look good as well. There you go. Yeah. Before I get on stage, every time. <laughs> you know what's going to happen next time when you're on the stage, right? Go on. I believe that it will... It will never happen again. I'm happy to put my entire savings as a bet, uh, gamble my entire savings. Say I will never, ever get on stage with my flies undone <laughs> ever again. Because I do genuinely, I check it every time. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and I probably check it more than once as well. You know what I mean? Like you've got to look at it twice or three times. Don't you? Okay. All right. You know. Oh. Get some funny looks from people. Okay, this is bad <laughs> because now when next year when we have that big event, right? So all the ladies in Upper know who listen to this podcast that that's what they're thinking. That's what they're going to be talking about. It's yeah, terrible. Yeah. I'll be getting handwritten notes reminding me, you know, before I go on stage probably. <laughs> okay, Chris, oh, very last question. What is one godly MBA moment for you? Meaning the moment you actually realize that your business is way beyond just a business. You know, I've had several times in my career where I've either been complimented or something has happened as a result of what I've done. I've been very blessed to, because of, you know, the way that I've built the business around me, you know, I practice what I preach, right? So because I've built the personal brand and the business around my personal brand, many, many opportunities have come my way where, I realize I've made a genuine difference in people's lives in the work that I've done. But there was this one time in New York City, it was 2014, I was doing a book signing and someone came up to me that was, you know, very blessed to have people that genuinely want to meet me at bookstores and stuff like that. I mean, and this guy came up, he was towards the end, I'd been signing for a couple of hours and he came up to me and, um, he said, uh, I wanted to thank you because you've changed my life. You hear that a lot. You know, that's kind of a term that a lot of, oh, you changed my life. You know, the way I do this, oh, you changed my life. You hear that a lot. But then I don't know why. Usually I just say, well, thanks. I really appreciate you buying the book and thanks so much for the client's words, you know. But because it was towards the end of the evening and there was only a few more people behind him, I asked the question, how? How did I change your life? I want to know. He said, well, I you know, I've been following your work for years and uh, your work on delegation and outsourcing and working with virtual assistants. And, um, you know, I've always been interested, but I've never really pulled the trigger. And I said, okay, all right. Now I'm thinking that he's going to tell me that he's built this huge virtual team and that he's quadrupled his income or his revenue or whatever, but it was a lot more simpler, but way more powerful than that. And he said to me, my wife died of cancer last year and left me with a very young daughter, two or three year old daughter at the time. And, uh, you know, I worked, you know, a full-time job and then I would work in the evenings or on the weekends on my side hustle, trying to build my business and whatnot. When my wife died, I didn't want to leave my daughter with, you know, child carers and this, that, and the other all the time. So I decided that I was gonna quit my job. We had a little bit of a nest egg I know I'm going to be okay for a while financially, but I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to try and really build my business properly so that I can be with my daughter as much as I can. And I hired two virtual assistants to help me do that. And now I actually make more money than I ever did in my corporate job. 
Um, but that's neither here nor there because I know that I can be with my daughter whenever I need or want to be or whatever she wants me or needs me to be. I take her to school every day. I pick her up every day. I spend all weekend with her. And when she's at school, I work on my business. And it's all because of what I've learned from you and your work and, you know, how you've kind of helped me understand the delegation concept and the mindset and blah, 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 blah. And it, I've, I've prolonged that story a bit. This was a minute and a half maximum. And I just looked at him and my wife was to one side and she heard everything as well. And I looked at her and she had a tear running down her face. And then I looked back at him and I started crying and we all had this kind of little group hug for a little while, took some selfies and that was the end of it. And I have not heard from him since. And I never probably never meet the guy again. Well, I hope I do. But the fact that I was able to change his life through the work that I did in that way and more importantly for his little girl, that was a pretty godly MBA moment right there. Well, it surely is. And I want to say on the flip side of that, what if you did not do this business? What if you, you did not do this business, right? The impact now we see is because you, you did have this business. You, and you, you can see that impact lives. And that's what you encourage us in Upreneur as well. You know, when some of us that they maybe they just start out and then they say, well, I'm not so sure this or this is really useful for people out there. Is anybody can really listen to me or not? Mm -hmm. Well, we don't know. You don't know unless you try. Yeah. That's the thing. And here's the beautiful thing about building what I call the business of you. That's the title for my most requested and most performed keynote as a speaker. I've done it well over 30 times now. And the beautiful thing about building the business of you is that there are no competitors out there. You know, when you build the business around you, what you're all about, the people that you want to serve, how you can help them, it can't be copied. You know, almost every business model, service, product, whatever it is, can be copied. But when you build the business around you and your heart and the, and your gut and the people that you want to take care of through all of that, uh, it can't be copied. And that's one of the reasons why I love it so much, because I know that I'm never going to be duplicated. There's only one Chris Ducker in the world, thank gosh, right? I mean, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I doubt yeah. the world could handle more than one of us. But I mean, the fact is that, you know, that's what I decided to do a while back. And uh, that's what I like. You know, I like the idea of helping as many people as I can to do the same thing, because the world needs Kelly. The world needs youpreneurs. We need it. We need what only you can do. The only way that you can help us. We need it genuinely. Well, Chris, we can uh, wrap up this episode better than that. I want to say thank you. There's no word enough to uh, describe my gratitude that you oh, spent this you. precious time with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was all my pleasure. And thank you. You're a real inspiration, Kelly. I trust you have enjoyed this episode as much as I did. As you can tell, Chris and I had a great time to create this episode for you. 
and he has shared so much wisdom and insights in the show. For all the information we mentioned during the show, please visit kellybarder.com forward slash 005. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We know you have given us your most valuable time and we don't take it lightly. We truly appreciate it. Did you enjoy the show? If yes, please share, subscribe, and give us your honest reviews on iTunes so my team and I can continuously produce valuable content for you. Don't forget for all the goodies we mentioned during the show and my free gift for you. The Business Blueprint for Christian Entrepreneurs is at kellybarder.com. Remember, you matter. See you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Godly MBA podcast. For more actionable marketing tips and strategies and today's show notes, visit www.kellybotter.com.